your Division II champions, Grand Valley State. Congratulations to the Lakers. For the sixth time in program history, they are the national champions. Grand Valley has its third national championship in four years. Grand Valley State celebrating a national championship in Division II. It's the Ankara Podcast, presented by the Grand Valley Sports Network. Hi again, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Anchor Up Podcast. Jake Levy, Tim Knott here for you with another great hour talking about GBSU Laker Athletics. The Anchor Up Podcast presented by Metro Health, the official sports medicine provider of GBSU Athletics. Your health, our passion. An exciting week this week. We've got Alton Voss on the program the first time we talked to somebody from the GVSU football program. And not only that, he is an incredible story. Alton Voss, a redemption story. He was the number 26 quarterback in the class is in the entire nation, went to USF, fell on some really hard times, bounced back, came to Grand Valley for a second chance and made the absolute most of it. And Tim, I know this is a guy that you've gotten to know personally over the years and you have nothing but great things to say about him. Well, yeah, Alton was, uh, he went to South Florida out of high school, um, and his story is, you know, talk about redemption and, and talk about uh, battling back and get, making the most of your second chances. That's Alton Voss. Um, and, and what an inspiring uh, individual in, in life and, and what he's done and the people he's helped now. Going back to his hometown, uh, working at a facility there, uh, you know, just helping helping uh, human beings out. And what a great person. I mean, you feel better after talking to Alton Voss. I mean, that, and that's the... You know, I really judge character of people. When you feel better after a conversation with that individual, that's a special person. It sure is. And, I mean, he's helping people who are going through such tough times with addiction, depression, that kind of thing. And it actually is kind of fitting given the whole way 2020's worked out. We talked to him about that as well, about the ties between what he went through as a redshirt quarterback at South Florida to what some of our student athletes are going through as well and he had some great advice so uh, make sure you stay tuned for that all the way through to the end of that interview with Alton coming up in just a little bit and a big thank you to him for taking some time out of his busy day to chat with us but it is a busy week in Laker athletics as well we've got some great news for the future of GVSU athletics as well national signing day was yesterday 55 athletes across 19 sports signed the only one that doesn't have signing day this week is football we'll get to that in February the first Wednesday Day of February will be football signing day, but signing day for the rest of our sports was yesterday. And boy, you could just feel that energy in the coaches' offices, in the compliance office, and all across the athletic department getting that revitalization of some new Lakers. Well, yeah, you're you know you're getting new kids coming in. This is a different time though because you don't have anybody leaving, right? <laughs> so you're you're adding recruits, um, but yet uh, like in basketball and and soccer. Those individuals got another year of eligibility. So, and we, I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago in, in, in football. You literally next fall you're going to have six recruiting classes on campus, and it's going to be the same for soccer and volleyball and, and basketball now because of you know this year not counting against their eligibility. So renewed energy, great for high school kids, um, but a lot of apprehension probably as well in terms of hey you got more bodies and coming in. Where do, where do those bodies find time to keep them happy, playing time? Right, you can are still only play everybody? 5 or 11 or however many are on your foot. You can't expand yeah. the number of players on the field. There's exactly. only so many that can get in at still a time. still got one basketball and five positions on the basketball court. <clears throat> you know, soccer, uh, lacrosse, and all those, all those sports. Um, but, yeah, it's an ex- exciting time for those kids. 
and for the program. You spend a lot of time recruiting them. And, yeah, and it's and, great and to and see now, those kids in social media now, the way they can interact with right. the teams, interact with the program. And not only that, you see all of their support system being so excited for them to take that next step. So congratulations to all 55 that signed to become Lakers. We can't wait to have you as part of the Laker family and get to meet you in person. But so far, it's been really fun to talk about them, see the excitement for the coaches. And, you know, in a year like this, it's great when you can find some real positivity to come from the sports world around campus. Yeah, and, you know, new faces. And that's one thing that you and I enjoy so much is, is you know every every year you have new faces coming in you've you've built relationships for four or five years with kids that are leaving in most occasions <laughs> um uh and then you have new kids coming in so it's always a new fresh beginning um a lot of careers starting and uh, we're excited to see those careers uh um you know uh turn into championships and uh, a lot of games played some quick shout-outs. Uh, Maria Babcock, who did all of our graphics and design work for this signing day, was outstanding. And then, of course, Mitch Ascraft, Abby Paragon, the rest of our athletic communication staff, Wendy Wilson in compliance, all of those people that work so hard to make signing day happen and give those kids the proper celebration they deserve and the publication they deserve for not only them but also the program that they're joining was great to see all the great work by all involved the anchor up podcast brought to you in part by novacare discover the power of physical therapy novacare is the official physical therapy provider of gvsu athletics also brought to you in part by pnc bank the official bank of gvsu athletics pnc bank for the achiever in you as well as the Earhart construction the official construction company of the grand valley sports network well Speaking of building, a schedule has been built, as far as we know, for the winter sports. Basketball is set to announce their schedules for men's and women's GLIAC play tomorrow, at or today, rather, at 1 p.m. as we record this here on Wednesday. Thursday will be the release of the GLIAC schedule. 1 p.m., the GLIAC will do the schedule reveal on their YouTube channel. Of course, GVSULakers.com and all of our social media, at GVSU Basketball, at GVSU WBB, will have all of those schedule updates, so make sure you hop on onto that 1 p.m. on Thursday to get all of that information about what the Lakers will be doing. Now, we can't give you the exact opponents yet, but we do know some specifics of the schedule. Too. Yeah, it's going to be a Gleick-only schedule, and uh, and so you know that that's who you're going to play. Um, uh, there's a chance there could be some games in December for non-conference, but that is, uh, has to be set up amongst schools individually. The, the Gleick Athletic Directors are still talking about those. But, yeah, it's going to be a um, – for Grand Valley, uh, we'll – We'll play on Saturday, Sunday. Uh, so uh, it'll be, um, you know, I, we're just excited to get back into events. I know, I know, you know, we've talked about March, what, well, our last, actually, last event was the Gleick Tournament Championship game for the men, yep. which didn't even involve Grand Valley. Exactly. It was Michigan Tech and Northwood. Um, uh, so, you know, we're talking early March. Yeah, was the last it time will have we... been over 300 days between yeah. home GVSU events when it's all said and done. The schedule is set to kick off the week of January 7th. That much we do know. We also know that it's going to look a little different this year. Those of you who are familiar with the way GLIAC basketball works, it will not be doubleheaders this year. Instead, the men and women are going to play the same opponent. One will be at home. One will be on the road. So virtually every weekend for the entire month of January and February, there will be home basketball at the Fieldhouse, whether it's men or women will alternate but you'll play the same opponent 
twice in that week, both either home or away, while the men play at home, the women play on the road, and vice versa. So it's going to be a very different look this year. There were a lot of hoops to jump through to create the safest, most efficient way to travel, the safest, most efficient way to get this schedule in so all teams could play 18 games as scheduled, and a really good job when it's all said and done by the conference, by the administrators, by the presidents, to put something together in such a crunch to get this out there. Well, you know, it, it really, it, it's a change, but it's not a collegiate change because um, you know, hockey, for instance, they play the same opponent on Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday. When you go play baseball series, you're playing the same opponent three three times in a row, you know, three nine-inning games. So, you know, maybe this is something that's going to, you know, uh, you know, take college sports into a different area because you do save on travel. And so, you, you know, it's something new, but maybe it's something that's very being very innovative. And, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how everybody's going to like it, but but we're going to get on the courts. Yeah, and that's the most important thing at the end of the day that we get on the court and get to see some basketball and be a part of some basketball. Of course, you can watch every home event on the Grand Valley Sports Network, nine ninety nine per event, but we'll have every coverage for you. So every weekend, you'll be able to watch GV basketball. We are not traveling any media, just trying to be a part of the COVID protocols and keep the travel party as small as possible. So basically, every home team is going to be responsible for providing that media coverage, whether it's radio, whether it's live streaming, whatever it is. So you know, make sure you check the website every week. Make sure you check all of the social media stuff so you know how you can watch the games throughout the week. But we do know that when you're playing at home, when the Grand Valley's home, the game will be on the Grand Valley Sports Network. And we're excited about that. Absolutely we are. The Anchor Up podcast is brought to you in part by Uccellos, where great food and sports come together. Also brought to you by Homewood Suites Grand Rapids. Enjoy all the comforts of home at the only extended stay hotel in downtown Grand Rapids. Our interview with Alton Voss coming up in just a bit. But before we get there, it's time for our Lakers Spotlight presented by Ziegler Automotive. And this week's Lakers Senior Spotlight is Liv Hanover of the GVSU women's tennis team. She's the lone senior on this year's team after her junior year saw her earn all GLIAC honors and help the team to a number 21 final ranking in the country by the ITA last season. They also made the NCAA tournament going on down to Florida. She holds a career 50 and 15 singles record and 23 and 14 doubles tally in that tennis team that had a great run last year, Tim, finished in the top 25. And it's a really exciting team with a lot of youth, but lives kind of that leader, not only on the court, but in the classroom and the community as well. Yeah, it really is. And, uh, exciting, you know, lives, uh, younger sister is now a member of the program. Um, and, Coach Sam Shaw has done an outstanding job recruiting these student athletes, and and you can just sense when you're out of practice, the the, the there's a change in attitude, there's a change in uh, approach um, in terms of coaching style. Sam is really in, in, into it, and uh, you can just sense on both sides for both the men and women, um, the uh, big things to to come out of that program. Yeah, for sure. And of course, tennis used to be that split fall spring. So mm-hmm. it's, she was right in the middle of her first year when everything kind of came to a crashing halt last year. But Sam will get that first full year at the helm this year. I believe, Tim, correct me if I'm wrong, but they've switched that now. Tennis used to be a GLIAC sport in the fall for women, but they've moved that now to the spring. So it'll be one yes, continuous correct. championship season. Yep, it'll be a, uh, both championships will be spring sports now. And that probably helps them a bit in terms of momentum, right? Because you yeah. play that GLIAC tournament in the fall, you get to that point, then there's this big gap and you also have to kind of turn around and get ready for tournament play right away. Well, that, that was, a, that, you know, for our, our, our women's team, there, it used to be the GLIAC championships in the fall. So they would spend the fall, you know, preparing for that, that championship. And, and because you only get so many dates to play, you use those dates up in the fall. In the spring, you know, they only played four or five matches, but their fall was so good they were an NCAA tournament team, you really didn't have any momentum built. Now you can play a couple matches in the fall and really then turn your spring into your season 
and have some momentum going in, in, into the NCAA tournament, which uh, both our men's and women's programs have gone to consistently year year in, year out. Yeah, I mean, when you're thinking about a regular build of a season, mm-hmm. you have your regular season, then you have your conference tournament, then you have the NCAA tournament. So now they'll actually have that true build. So we'll see how that impacts their ability to go deeper into the NCAA tournament as time progresses. All right, it's time now to get to this interview with Alton Voss. He was outstanding. Really hope you guys enjoy this one. Big thanks to him. You know, Tim, usually we laugh and joke throughout these interviews. That wasn't really the case this time. It was very matter-of-fact, but still extremely entertaining. It, it, you know, and, and and Alton is just a, a great person to talk to. His approach, his, his his thought processes were great. On top of that, Alton was a really good football player. And and you know he yeah. Let's not get that lost. Yeah, it's not, it's not just Alton was an outstanding. You know, Alton he can really talk about what he's he's done because it, it carries more weight because he was a great great player. I mean, he wasn't one of the, you know top quarterbacks in in the country and and so. He came here, moved to tight end, then moved to defensive end, and had an outstanding career. And we talk about all that and more, so here we go. All of our guest interviews on the Anchor Up podcast are presented by Coors Light, reminding you to drink responsibly. Coors Light is distributed locally by Alliance Beverage. Okay, here he is, Alton Voss. And with that, we now welcome on former GVSU defensive player Alton Voss. Alton, thanks so much for joining us here this afternoon, man. Thanks for having me, guys. It's a real pleasure. So let's, uh, you have an outstanding story. I read a little bit about it. I know Tim got to see it firsthand with you. But for starters, let's just start. What are you doing now? So I'm currently a business development rep for Rockland Treatment Center. Uh, my treatment center is located in Newport Ritchie. And what we do um, is we, we serve people who have primary mental health and also co-occurring disorders. So people who struggle with mental health and substance use. Uh, we have a residential, residential program. We have outpatient. Um, so I'm the business development rep. My responsibility is really to um, you know, create and build awareness around the, the topic of mental health and substance use, but also to establish, you know, relationships in the community, whether it's with families, businesses, hospitals, and really just let people know that there is, there is help out there. And, uh, you know, we can give people um, a second chance at life, just like I received, you know, because I went through treatment. And you went through the treatment, uh, obviously down in Argentina. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but you're actually in your hometown right now doing this stuff, right? You were just telling us before we came on here how special that is to you to be making an impact like that in your hometown. It really is. Um, yeah, I've been with Rockland for about a year and a half now. Uh, Rockland's been around for three years. And so to be in my community doing speaking events, meeting with people that I've known since I was a kid, since, since I was a kid, um, it just just makes it a little bit more special in the work that I'm doing. Have you noticed a little bit of a change since COVID hit in 2020? How has that impacted the way you guys operate? Well, I'd say with COVID, um, you know, it became a, a real challenge uh, just based on the, the safety uh, perspective of keeping our staff and our clients, um, you know, safe from COVID. So we had to come up with new protocols uh, in bringing new clients in, whether they're coming from home or coming from a detox center or hospital. Uh, so it really forced us to just put in some, some strong precautions as we're bringing in new clients. So we keep everyone safe because if we got, you know, one person with COVID um, that would spread through our center and it just become a real issue. Um, But we've done a really good job of making sure COVID hasn't been part of um, our center, our staff. Um, But on top of that um, with COVID, it's just been really challenging. I think for everyone across the board, but especially with people who struggle with mental health and substance use, you know, because now we're naturally isolated. And, um, you know, when you start taking away that human connection for people in recovery, um, it, you know, sometimes it can get a little dark and 
at that point, if it does get dark, you just hope the person has uh, the tools or the techniques, you know, to, you know, not suffer in silence, reach out, ask for help. Um, so I do everything I can to, you know, stay in touch with my people and, and just check in, you know, just be a really good friend. Oh, and you have a great background story to obviously know how to help these people. Let's go back to 2007. I mean, this is an incredible story, man. I read all about it. Like I said, Tim kind of lived through it with you a little bit when you were here at Grand Valley. But kind of take us back to that freshman year on the campus of University of South Florida and kind of how this whole thing got started. Well, so to talk about my freshman year at USF, I think it backtrack a little bit to my senior year uh, at my high school, Gulf High. Uh, my senior year, I was the 26th best quarterback in the country. And so I had this dream of playing the NFL. Um, you know, I had my future kind of mapped out for me. Um, and just before I graduated high school to go off to USF, uh, you know, my full ride, um, you know, I made a poor decision of, you know, just being influenced by, you know, some of my friends, you know, you know, my friends have always been good people. Um, but when I look back at my history, it's, you know, was I that good person making a good decision or the same good person making a bad decision? So this one night, uh, you know, my friend introduced me to uh, a Roxy, um, kind of falls into the Oxycontin family. It's a synthetic opiate, or it is an opiate, synthetic heroin, actually. And um, I had that experience, you know, and at that time, I really minimized uh, the impact of that decision. I thought it was innocent. Um, but because of that experience, when I went off to USF and I showed up my freshman year, I had this plan that I was going to play right away. You know, I was coming in nationally ranked. You know, I had a, an expectation that I could, you know, show up and play. Um, but I was given a red shirt. And at that time in my life, um, I wasn't mentally or emotionally prepared for the journey that I was going to embark on. You know, my opportunity to play quarterback USF was probably two or three years down the road. And um, at that point, I was I was dealing with some real adversity in my life. You know, I, I grew up in a broken home, you know, where my parents struggled with alcohol. And, you know, that was challenging in itself. Um, but being a young adult on my own, um, when I was dealing with this adversity of this red shirt, uh, I did not know how to ask for help. I didn't have anyone to lean on. And I think that goes back to me growing up in my hometown. You know, I was always put on a pedestal. You know, I was, I was the three sport athlete, you know, I was going to make it professionally, whatever sport I chose to play. And so when my plan and the team's plan were different, um, I didn't, I did not want to come across as weak um, you know, it looked like I was struggling, you know, because I didn't want to let anyone down. And because of that, you know, that's when I started to suffer in silence. And so my freshman year at USF was a real struggle. It really was, um, you know, full-time student athlete, you know, just trying to balance schoolwork, classes, uh, working out practice. You know, at that time we were number two in the nation for a couple of weeks. Um, so it was just a lot. And, uh, and I was just a guy on the sideline and I wasn't, I, was, I felt like I wasn't doing anything for the team. And so, um, you know, I started to kind of lose myself, you know, throughout that freshman year. Talk a little bit about, about those times, Alton, you know, um, in terms of the school and just moving forward, not being able to play and, and where you were going as a person. You know, going into USF, I was really excited for this opportunity. Um, but the reality you know, day one, when I show up, you know, it's your, your day is full, you know, you're waking up, you know, six 30 in the morning, you have class in the morning, you have practice. Um, you got a second session in the afternoon for, you know, a throwing session with the receivers. Um, early on, I realized how much this became more of a, a job 
And, you know, when you can't see the field for a few years out, you know, you start, I felt like I was going through the motions. And so, you know, because I started to feel a little bit lost, um, I didn't see the finish line. Um, and at the same time as being an incoming freshman and being a red shirt, you know, I went all in and partying, you know, and, and making poor choices and not really taking care of my body and my mind and, and doing the things that I should have as, you know, a student athlete. And so with a mixture of poor decisions, not really having a clear vision, not having a support system in the times of adversity, you know, as that year was going on, I started to realize that I wasn't waking up with, you know, that burning desire, that passion to get better for that day. Um, and so with that and suffering in silence, you know, I started kind of just fading to the back. And by the time my freshman year was coming to an end, you know, I think I was, you know, I was falling into a bit of a depression. You know, I wasn't doing well in the classroom. I was doing no enough just to get by. And, you know, I started making weekend trips to my hometown, which is only 45 minutes away. So because I had that experience with those pills back in high school, I remember how it took away all my emotional pain, allowed me just to escape my reality. And my reality wasn't the best. Um, and I was struggling. So after a year of combination of poor choices, you know, partying too much, not doing well in the classroom, you know, I'm not feeling that I belonged on the football team. And then I started using drugs. Um, by the time that freshman year comes to an end, you know, I come to a realization that I, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. I call a meeting with my head coach and the matter of 30 minutes, I give up my full ride. You know, in that meeting, uh, you know, I look back man, I was so, I was just young and dumb. I really was, um, you know, I was, I think too prideful, you know, not asking for help was, wasn't one of my things. And so I didn't, I didn't express with coach Levitt at the time, like coach, man, you know, I'm drinking too much, you know, I'm starting to dabble in these pills. Um, but more than anything, I'm just struggling. I'm having a really tough time right now. And I just need some support. I didn't share any of those three. Right. And so I just quit. It sounds like, you know, growing up being an athlete was kind of your identity all the way through this point. So once you had that 30 minute conversation, you went from being a student athlete to not for the first time. What did Alton Voss look like to you? That's a really good question. Uh, and it gives me chills when you say that because, you know, sports was my identity. Football was my identity. I was supposed to play in the NFL. I was supposed to do so many great things because of football. And once I stepped away from that, um, everyone was in disbelief. I don't think I truly even understood what was going on at the time because I had mixed in, you know, using these pills. Um, but my family, uh, they were so confused. They didn't know what to do. Uh, so there was a little bit of time where we just didn't speak. You know, because I think they were upset, they were mad, you know, felt lost. And for me, the one thing that was constant in my life is just I kept using these pills every day. And I did that for like the next month until one day, you know, I wanted to stop. And, and I went through this experience of, of having um, withdrawals. You know, I was physically dependent on this blue, like 30 milligram pill, this tiny little thing now was in control of my life. And, um, and then that's when I get introduced to a pain management clinic. But once I quit, I went through an identity crisis. I didn't know who I was and I felt lost. Um, and because I was using, I just kept falling into you know, a, a darkness um, that no one really knew about. I was really good at lying and hiding and living a double life. And so uh, that was the beginning of a, a three-year path of self-destruction of going to a pain management doctor. We know the story about, you know, you come to Michigan, you get in relationship with Jane Patterson, 
who got down to Argentina. Let's talk a bit about that time you had in Argentina. Was that your first real stint with a rehab clinic? Is that where you kind of first introduced to long-term care and long-term health for yourself? It was. Uh, so back in 2013, um, you know, Jane and her husband uh, gave me an opportunity um, to really just take back my life. It was a second chance. And that's how I, I viewed it. Um, you know, I, I didn't have anything else to go back to, you know, so leaving Florida, my family and friends, like I had the support of everyone to move forward and take advantage of this opportunity. But this program was the first time I had ever experienced any type of, of treatment. And, you know, I was, I was excited at the same time I was scared. I was going to a foreign country. You know, a lot of these things are just brand new to me. And, uh, you know, when they give you a treatment program of two years, I mean, that's a huge commitment. You know, here in the States, you know, you see anywhere from, you know, 30 days up to like six months. Um, so I, in the beginning, I really struggled with just the idea that it was going to take me two years to get my life back on track. You know, five years of my life, three years to active addiction, two years of treatment. You know, I was I was mad at myself. You know, I was I was embarrassed, um, you know, but at the same time, I wanted it. I had the mindset that I was going to make this happen because there were so many years where I just kept failing. In my three years of addiction, you know, I tried to make the move, go to a junior college two different times and I failed miserably. And the times I tried to get clean, I just couldn't do it because I didn't have the tools um, but going into that treatment program, I had the support of Jane um, and many other people. Uh, so I started to, you know, have, I started to have these breakthroughs as I was going through treatment. And once I started having those breakthroughs, that started opening up my eyes and really just gave me um, confirmation that, you know, I can, I can break away from this old lifestyle. I just got to keep showing up, keep putting the work, make good decisions and start utilizing the tools that they were taught to me when I was in the program. When did you, um, in, in this program, you were down there and, and, and speaking with Jane, when did returning to college football enter your mind? <laughs> so the, the odd thing about this place in Argentina is that there was four or five uh, other patients or clients, if you will, um, that were there with me, but they were all from West Michigan. It was very odd. And so I remember one of the clients, his cousin's, uncle played Grand Valley and one day they just you know threw out this question like hey what do you think about playing college ball and I had tried that like I said a few different times and I'd failed uh, for a while for the first year I didn't want to talk about football I didn't want to talk about any of that because I was still working through the identity crisis and all the things that had happened in my life so the first year of my treatment I didn't entertain the idea so I'd say it was about Going into that second year, um, I started playing American football, American football down in Argentina. This client that I'm with gets me on the phone with an uncle. And then this guy says, hey, I'm going to reach out to this head coach at Grand Valley. And then shortly after, I'm on the phone with Matt Mitchell. And he just lets me know. He's like, listen, I heard your story. You know, you're a nationally ranked quarterback. You have people up here advocating for you. He goes, but most importantly, he goes, I'm a person that believes in giving people second chances. He goes, I want to give you a second chance to go to school and play ball, but you got to finish, you know, what you went there for. You got to finish your program. And so it was in that second year that Grand Valley started coming into the picture. And I knew nothing about it. Right. But I said yes right away. I didn't need to know anything. I was like, all right, I'm just going to make this happen. Put me wherever. And then, uh, you know, I started paying attention to GV football for that, that time moving forward until I showed up. Well, Scott, Scott Van Dyken is that, is that guy. He's, in, he's a Hall of Famer. 
and uh, he speaks so highly of you. Talk about your return upon getting back here to Grand Valley then. When you, when you get back to West Michigan and you arrive at Grand Valley State. So I finished my program uh, June 18th, 2013. Uh, I show up to Grand Valley. I'm 24 years old now. <laughs> I'm 24. And, you know, I'm doing this once again. Yeah, I'm a freshman all over again. And I remember sitting down with Coach Mitchell and we just had a conversation about, you know, what the future will look like, you know, with me on the team. And uh, he let me know that I was going to be a walk-on, you know, no scholarship money. Uh, so that was very humbling, um, but it was fine. You know, I was, I was willing and I wanted to like prove to people that I, I could, I was worthy. You know, I didn't want anything given to me. And so uh, we had this, we had this lunch and he just says, Hey, I know you played quarterback, you know, we're kind of thinking about that, but we really, we have a need at tight end. And I've played a lot of positions. I've played pretty much every position, but tight end was not one of them, <laughs> you know, but because of my athletic background, you know, I, I knew I could do it. I just had to learn how the technical stuff. Uh, and so when I showed up, you know, I was, I had a quiet confidence about myself. Right. You know, cause I, I was, I was an outlier. I mean, I was 24, I was a freshman and, uh, you know, I really didn't fit in. Right. I was, uh, non-traditional as some would say. Um, but for me, I just wanted the opportunity and, and that's what they gave me. But I remember the first game I played at Grand Valley, uh, I played one play and I didn't have to be on the field. It was like the end of the fourth quarter. We're up by like four touchdowns. I was on punt team and I just covered a punt. I didn't have to be out there. But that was exactly what I needed. You know, that really opened my eyes to say, all right, you know, you want to be on this field, but what are you, what are you going to do to make it, you know, uh, an all the time thing? When are you going to become a starter? And so that was a humbling experience. And, and uh, you know, I just went there with the mindset, you know, there was this expression Jane would always tell me when I was, when I started this treatment, the second chance um, journey, she said, you know, you're going to maximize your potential. And so I used that in everything that I did when it came to football, going to meetings, practice, when I was going to the classroom, you know, the decisions I was making outside of, you know, school and football and the social setting. And so I just really was just so grateful for an opportunity that I was going to maximize my potential in every facet of my life. What would you touched on it a little bit, but, you know, coming to school as a 24 year old freshman, what was the locker room like for you? It was, um, it was good. I think there was a lot of guys that were intrigued by my story. There was a former Division One quarterback, all that stuff. Um, but, you know, just finishing a program, I think, you know, when people look at me now, you know, because I'm going on 10 years of being clean, they would never connect the two, you know, former addicts. So I think at that time, you know, maybe some of them, you know, I didn't, I didn't present as an, a former addict, um, but the guys were great. You know, Brad Horling was the first person I was introduced to. Uh, is my best friend. Uh, but so many of the guys just kind of just took me in, you know, they asked questions about my story. You know, they just asked, you know, any, there's anything I could, you know, kind of help them with and making decisions and in football and things like that. But I just felt very welcomed day one. I specifically remember guys talking about that and how you became a mentor to those guys. I mean, you were older and, and they, they'd call you grandpa and, you know, dad and stuff like that in the locker room. And, and I really felt like you really took that responsibility and, and you felt like you could really make a difference in their lives. I did. And, um, you know, I think it organically kind of happened. You know, my first year, I remember Coach Mitchell bringing me in one day and he said, you know, and he goes, um, you know, you've been here long enough. You've been doing the right thing. 
because I'd like to just bring you in and have you share your story in the fall. And so I remember my sophomore year, he gave me an opportunity to come in and share my story with the team. And ever since that day, I think that's when it really solidified that, that mentor, you know, ship that I would, I could provide everyone, uh, even with some of the coaches like coach Whitlow was younger than me at the time. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I was, uh, I was taking it all in stride. You know, I was again, grateful. Um, you know, I started doing the public speaking and I, I started to realize the more that I could share my story, that there were so many life lessons and experiences that I've gone through that, you know, someone else could just take one or two things that they could apply their life. It just, it could improve it. Um, so yeah, a lot of the guys at the, the end of my, you know, Grand Valley experience, you know, they're calling me grandpa because now I'm 28 years old. And so, um, you know, I didn't have the grades, but I definitely had the wisdom with, uh, inside of me. Talk about making your mark in the field. You know, it really started on special teams. Um, you were, you know, a, a tight end, but you really made your mark in special teams, and that led to you becoming an outstanding performer on defense. Yeah. Um, you know, again, there's a lot of things I've done since I played football. Um, special teams probably wasn't one that I played much because, you know, I was a two-way player. Um, but when I was at Grand Valley, you know, it's – they talk about you want to get on the field and special teams is one of them. So I wasn't playing a lot at tight end, but they had me on every special teams unit. And so I, again, like I just saw as an opportunity and I said, you know, just, just go do your thing. And I'm athletic and, and I just ran around and I made plays. Um, so that freshman year, I really proved myself that, you know, I was good enough to, uh, to be on the field and by, you know, making X amount of tackles and just kick off or punt or blocking a punt, you know, in the playoffs, you know, I was really solidifying, like, you know, that I'm good enough. And so that sophomore season, you know, that's when they brought me in. I remember DeAndre Hogan, uh, Hogan had a, an injury to his hand. And they said, hey, what do you think about switching over defensive end? And I didn't even think twice about it. I said, all right, when do I start? And so at that point, that was kind of the, the beginning of the the end for the defensive end position. But, um, yeah, and then playing defensive end, that was uh, that was different, you know. You're playing Division Two level, you know these offensive linemen. They're they're big guys. Um, you know I'm not the biggest guy on the defensive line because I was still weighing like 240. You know I was just playing tight end like two days ago, right. and so it took me some time to get my weight up, learn the technique, understand the scheme. You know the speed of the game, just being on the field like all the time now. Um, but yeah, I just became a student of the game and just leaned on you know the coaches and my teammates and watched a lot of film and just. You know, I had to kind of make up for lost time, you know, because I never played the position. So I just want to get on the field ASAP. Talk about your, your relationship with Coach Mitchell. Um, I know you guys are really close, and, and, and I, he thinks very high love, highly of you and, and your story and, and what you did when you were here. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm extremely – I'm grateful for Coach Mitchell. You know, there's, there's Coach Mitchell, there's Jane, there's Joe Slank, there's Scott Van Dyken, the Poole family. Uh, there's so many people that – you know, believed in me. And, uh, and coach Mitchell is the one that, you know, really opened the door for me to live out this second chance, you know, you know, to show that, you know, a person can go through adversity and go through addiction and, and come out the other end and, and be a better person up, you know, because of it. Um, and so coach Mitchell and I have always been pretty close, um, throughout the years, you know, he's one that I can always reach out to, you know, via text, like when he was in, in Florida last year, we got together down in St. Pete and, you know, had lunch together. Um, but he is one that I can always rely on for an honest answer and the best guidance. 
And, um, you know, we just, it's something I can't really explain. There's just a bond, you know, and I'm just grateful that he gave me the second chance that, you know, I could have the relationship with, you know, Tim not and be here today, you know, because if I didn't come to Grand Valley, I don't know where I'd be. Um, but I have so many amazing relationships, experiences, you know, because I came to Grand Valley. Sport in general, and especially football, has so much adversity. You mentioned the adversity you went through back in, you know, 2007 at University of South Florida. Of course, coming to play a new position to a new school, to a new location is going to have its own adversities. As you look back now, how do you compare the way you handled that first time to the second time? And what are you most proud of in the way that you made that transition as a person? Yeah, I would say um, the, the biggest difference is uh, first time going to USF and then the second chance at Grand Valley was that um, – the first time I, I, I know I mentioned I had my own plan. Uh, you know, I wanted to play right away. Um, and that didn't come to fruition. And I, I just didn't have the support at that time. And I, I just look at going to USF. I had a plan. It didn't work out. And then that's when I kind of just lost myself. But when I went to Grand Valley, you know, I had done all the work for my treatment program. You know, I'd worked through my identity crisis. So going to Grand Valley, I realized that football is – not the story. It's just a part of my story. And for me, what was most important at that time was just, you know, I wanted to get that degree. You know, I, I wanted to have that security for the rest of my life, you know, just from the four years, if I can just get that degree, that will, that will do a lot for me. Cause coach Ginn told me this one day that, um, you know, everyone that plays a sport, everyone has an expiration date. So football can't last forever. And so that was one thing I never forgot. But what, was different second time going to Grand Valley. Um, I was humbled. So I was just grateful for the opportunity. I was just willing to kind of get in wherever I could fit in. Um, but I had a plan, I had a support system. And um, I was just hungry, you know, because I was just hungry. You know, I was just, I really saw this as a, a second chance and I was going to make the most of it. It goes back to maximize my potential. I was going to do everything possible to make this happen. Um, and so I just became a lot more fluid. I think, you know, I let go of my pride, you know, cause I could have easily been the guy that's former division one quarterback nationally ranked. Like I'm entitled to this. I deserve that, that D one type of mentality that you see sometimes. Now I just came in quiet, humbled, just give me an opportunity. I'll let my actions speak for themselves. And because I did that enough, that's what got me on the field. As we turn our attention now to 2020 again, uh, you are a mentor to a lot of young people. And, you know, when I look at our student athletes, a lot of what you talked about during your red shirt season of not having that carrot at the end of the stick, like we always talk about, that's kind of what these student athletes are going through right now with COVID, with seasons getting canceled, with them not being able to compete the way they want to compete, their lives being turned upside down. What advice would you give to a current student athlete that's kind of going through that right now and may need some help and support? I'd say the biggest piece um, that I could share is just that connection. You know, make sure, and I call it what I call now. So when I do my speaking events, you know, one of my talking points is, is my huddle, you know, so I have people in my life. Um, you know, I have, I have the Jane Patterson. I have the Joe Slank. I have coach Mitchell. I have some of my like-minded friends that are similar to my age. And with these people, I just, you know, I have good practices in checking in, you know, having those conversations, those text messages, you know, just keeping that human connection piece. Um, I think that's huge. It's easily to kind of, you know, stay quiet and, um, you know, maybe get caught up in your head too much. And I, there's so many times where I've, I've played these dramatic movies that never actually came true. 
And because I learned how to ask for help and just, you know, checking in with my friends, uh, that's helped me immensely. Um, but I would say another bit of advice to give these incoming freshmen is don't worry about the outcome, just worry about the input. You know, so today is the most important thing. One thing that Coach Mitchell always, he just preached this, you know, the next six inches, you know, that's what matters most. What is the next thing today? You got to go to workouts. Perfect. You got to go to class. Do it. You got to do whatever it is, whatever the next thing is, just take care of that. And if you keep your focus there, the outcome will take care of itself. And so I would just say, stay in the moment, take care of what's next. Awesome. Really amazing story. We really appreciate you sharing all this with us. And, um, you know, obviously you do speaking engagements around, but it's very clear you're well-spoken and know this story and uh, know the pieces to hit. And I really appreciate the time. Tim, do you have anything else? No, that's great. Love you, bud, man. It's great seeing you. Appreciate it, man. I, yeah, thank you guys. Um, if you guys ever need anything in the future, just reach out. Thanks, Alton. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Alton. That outstanding interview with Alton Voss brought to you by Coors Light, reminding you to drink responsibly. Coors Light distributed locally by Alliance Beverage. And Tim, we talk about that great bounce back and that great story that he has and just the leadership that he found, the humility that he found, and he talked about that, you know, kind of having to take himself back from being someone who was expected to be in the NFL to somebody who had to work for everything, and that really kind of helped grind, ground him and refocus him. Well, you go from a scholarship kid at South Florida to walking on to Grand Valley State, playing one play in his first game, becoming a special team standout is how he got on the field. Uh, I remember him blocking a punt at, uh, at, at Colorado Pueblo as a key play because we were down 17 uh, nothing, I believe. He blocks a punt. Spurs, the comeback uh, that the Lakers had in that, in that contest. Was that the year they went all the way to Shepard in the semifinals? Yes, yeah. So, and you know, he did a great job of showing humility and just becoming one of the guys. I mean, and, and that's what he talked about. And, and now his leadership to uh, individuals, uh, he does speaking engagements, talks to, you know, uh, high school kids and, and, and middle school kids and and those college-age kids as, as well. So it's an inspiring story, and, uh, you know, always excited to, to uh, talk to Alton. Another big takeaway that I kind of translate to the bigger picture, he talked about that support system and that being his biggest difference between the first time around mm -hmm. and the second time around. And I think, you know, especially as we've talked about National Signing Day earlier in this program, that's what's so special about Grand Valley. It's not just for somebody who needs a second chance, but everybody that comes here has that support system kind of built in. And it's something that Tim did a great job of building, Kerry's done a great job of continuing, and having that support system here has been such a big thing that makes me so proud to work at Grand Valley as well. Well, it's no secret that mental health is taking more of a uh, turn in terms of being more important to uh, young people. And that's something that uh, they talk about more now than what used to be talked about. When I was younger, you didn't talk about mental health. There were no issues. You just get tougher and uh, Yeah, the mindset has totally I mean, changed around so, it. So, you know, uh, it's, it's changed and it's out in the forefront and it's something we, that needs to be talked about. And it is at Grand Valley State University and with those resources. The Anchor Up Podcast brought to you in part by DTE Energy, Know Your Own Power, also brought to you by Mervine Beverage, Budweiser, Drink Responsibly, and by Fox Motors. The Anchor Up Podcast brought to you in part by Fox Motors. 
Time to get to some segments. Now let's do our Team of the Week. It's presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Here for you now more than ever. Confidence comes with every card. This week's Team of the Week is the 2016 women's lacrosse team. They made history by reaching the NCAA tournament for the first time in program history. Going 15-5, and five, they faced five teams ranked in the IWLCA Top 20, and four of them were the top five in the nation. The Lakers swept the GLIAC regular season and tournament titles and made the trip to guard in City, New York for the NCAA championships where they fell by one goal in the opening round, 9-8, to eight, to number 4 Dowling. That is the 2016 women's lacrosse team, your team of the week, presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Here for you now, more than ever, confidence comes with every card. And Tim, I was going back and looking at that schedule back in 2016. They played F- Florida Southern. They played Adelphi. They played some really, really good powerhouse lacrosse teams and held their own. Well, yeah, and the, you know that's always been the philosophy of, of the lacrosse program which is a new program by the way you know in terms of infancy uh, to where they started and the teams they're playing which are established and been playing over the years right that was only their third or fourth yeah. year of competition so they've always challenged themselves with a schedule which is re- which really p- paid dividends and uh you know they've it's not easy in the midwest because it's not lacrosse wasn't a midwest program you always had to go out east to find good teams to play now it's growing into a midwestern program and in fact going out west to colorado and and but what they've been able to accomplish in a short period of time is uh, simply amazing yeah and remember when they made that ncaa tournament only four teams made the right. ncaa tournament so it's not like they were you know part of a regional and had so many opportunities there was only one team from this region mm-hmm. that got to go to the ncaa tournament and they were that team that year so congratulations to them and i'll tell you what mackenzie lawler's done an outstanding job continuing that growth of that program we hosted the ncaa championships two years ago yes. now i got to watch it when adelphi won it i got to watch all four of those matches and let me tell you the GVSU lacrosse team looks just like those other teams out there. So last, as the Midwest gets better, that lacrosse team keeps better. They look like they're a team that can really compete going forward. Well, last year before the season was abruptly uh, canceled, uh, Grand Valley State won at Lindenwood. And what a win a, that was for the program. Um, they, they were a top four program. And yeah, so they've played Lindenwood basically every year. They've come close a couple of yep. times, but could never quite beat them. And then last year they did, had all that momentum. And then, of course, they now have to try to carry that over to this year. But nonetheless, the 2016 women's lacrosse team, the first team to ever from the program to make the NCAA tournament, although Mackenzie Lawler has that team poised to make another run. It's time now for our great moment in Laker history. That's presented by the Randy Catterberg Agency. Tim, take it away. Well, 2014, women's cross country, uh, the Lakers dominated the field en route to the NCAA championship, um, which when we were talking about in the office, we went back and and looked it up. Um, Grand Valley State uh, scored 50 team points. Uh, The next closest team was Hillsdale with 115. Now, that moment was spurned on by uh, Grand Valley State went 1-2-3 finish at the NCAA championships. We're not talking about the Gleick championships or a, a... a meet with five teams. The Grand top Valley three State runners in the nation one, were from two, Grand Valley three State. three in the mix. Uh, Kendra Foley won the NCAA championship with her first place finish, f- followed by Allison Winchester in second and Jessica uh, Janicki in third. Uh, and then the Lakers had five in the top 27. Uh, Hannah, ha- Hannah Osborne finished 13th, and uh, uh, Jordan Chester finished 27th. So when you look at that, it's amazing to go one, two, three, not just at a regional meet, at the NCAA championships. Simply an incredible feat by the program. As, as J- Jerry Baltus, obviously, we, you know, we talked to Jerry. What he's done with that program uh, is, is amazing. Uh, team score of 50 points with a 1-2-3 finish at the NCAA championships. Uh, 
says it all. That is an incredible moment. It's brought to you by the Randy Catterberg Agency. And you, know, you should check out GVSU Cross Country and t- Track and Field social media because they're doing an all-decade team yes. right now. And when you look at some of the oh. performances and they go through back and just look at what they have done from Zach Panning all the way down, it is unbelievable to see the number of outstanding moments similar to that one you just mentioned. Yeah, and, and, and you know, the – he he's able to his development of of kids is amazing. These are kids that come in with very little fanfare, and uh, Aaron Watson and Jerry just do an incredible job of developing them and to see their progress when they come in as freshmen and how they get into the lineup. It's not like we have freshmen stepping in like at Stanford or Oregon that are leading the way. You know these kids develop. They come in as freshmen. They learn the ropes, and you can just see their progress uh, throughout their careers. And it's really fun to keep track of and, and, and watch them develop. And not only in racing and in track and field, but also as human beings. Yeah. I mean, we have some for current and former GVSU track athletes that come to our office all the time and interact with us, and they're just outstanding human beings, and it's so great to get to know them. We talked about it earlier in the show, but we talked about signing day, about building those relationships with those kids, and it starts with Jerry and the coaching staff right on down having their personalities that they do, but it's really cool to see how that kind of translates to the kids themselves that they recruit. Well, you'd be hard-pressed to walk around campus or drive a cart around campus and not seeing members of the cross-country team out running. I mean, from... From the sun up to sundown, they're all over the place. They are all over campus, running around, and you definitely know. Uh, and it's not like they're doing a slow jog either. No, they're they're moving. They they make me look like I'm walking when I try to run, which is a little disheartening, but you know is what it is. Uh, so a lot of cool stuff coming up this week. The Masters is this week, which is really interesting, Tim. I, they won't have the azaleas, of course, to different time of year. It'll be a little chillier out down in Augusta, but still always fun when the Masters is on TV. You hear that music, you know it's time to take a nap. You get to enjoy the uh, the fun of the golf all week long. We're looking forward to that as well. Well, they they were talking about that. That's really the only thing you won't see is the spring flowers in terms of the course looks the same in terms of the green I mean it looks beautiful on TV and uh, really it, 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 it's great you, what people don't realize you're going to have two masters within six months of each other Yeah, because you're going to have this masters this weekend and it'll go back to the normal uh, April uh, masters so exciting to watch uh, you know uh, can Tiger Woods repeat I mean he hasn't played well but he always finds a way to play well there that is certainly a course that he dominates, and we'll see if he does so again this time around. But speaking of dominates, you see uh, John Rahm's trick shot the other day yeah. on social media. Back-to-back hole-in-ones on skipping it across the water. Now, I am well-versed in hitting the ball in the water. Right, it just doesn't skip it just across doesn't like skip that. skip across the water. I mean, I can find a... I can find water on a dry course. Well, of course, now I have a great excuse every time I hit the ball in the water. Oh, I was just trying to do the John Rom. Just trying to I was looking for a trick shot. I did, I did yeah, that, that on amazing. purpose. It just didn't really work that, out the way I wanted. That, that was cool. And, and, I mean, to do it twice is crazy. I don't even know. That was incredible. I'm sure Phil Sayers now has a new one in his uh, trick shot challenge to yeah. try to pull out himself as well. He can't really try that one on the driving range, though. All right, well, that about wraps up our show for this week. A lot of fun. Again, a big thank you to Alton Voss for coming on, giving us some of his time from down in the sunshine in Florida. A great interview with him. Hope you enjoyed it. I know we certainly did in getting to catch up with him and reminisce. And we've got another football athlete on deck next week. We'll give you a little bit of a teaser of that as the week progresses. little hint, he currently plays in the NFL. So make sure you tune in next week for more conversation on the Anchor Up podcast. For Tim Knott, this is Jake Levy saying so long and have a great week, everybody. And as always, Anchor Up. Oh.